Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. I want to jump into the message today. If you're new to the Rhodes Church, we are, in the beginning of the year, we do something called our prayer and fasting time. It's the first 21 days of the year in January where we set aside those 21 days to just focus on Jesus, kind of a dedication, if you will, of the year to him through prayer and fasting. What is fasting? We'll talk about that more here in just a moment, but I encourage you to increase your prayer time with God. Again, just focusing time. We have time available for you tomorrow night, Monday night at 6 o'clock here in the church, uh, as well as in Mount Carmel, Saturday night at 6, both locations, Mount Carmel and North City, prayers available. Come and pray with us. We're just seeking more of his face and uh, kind of giving him our hearts and what he wants to do, as well as every day, if you have time and you're close by, 8 to 9, the sanctuary is open every morning if you want to come and pray then as well. But that's what we're doing right now. So I'm talking about prayer and fasting, and I want to jump into the Word. We, uh, we love the Word here at the Rhodes Church. It is the bread of life. So we get a little excited when we open the Bible. So don't get nervous if your neighbor goes crazy in just a few seconds. But if you have your Bibles, let's open them up to Matthew chapter 4. Woo! Matthew chapter 4. <laughs> You're like, what in the world? This is the loudest church I've ever been in. You ain't seen nothing yet. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to pray before we jump into the Word. Jesus, I love you. I just yield to you. Holy Spirit, come. Bring this alive to us. That you will speak what you want spoken. The Lord, I can do nothing of myself, but only what I hear the Father speak. That's what I want to speak. Come, Jesus. It'd be more than a sermon, a talk, or a message. But Lord, I pray that we will see things we've never seen before. And I pray for a demonstration of your word. Lord, you will confirm it with signs following. That we will not just take in information and leave. But God, I pray for an encounter that changes, changes us, God. Thank you so much, Lord. We love you. Amen. Matthew chapter 4, this is the encounter where Jesus has just been water baptized and uh, the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. In verse 1 it says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now again, we started this last week, so if you weren't here last week or you didn't hear the message last week, please go back. You can download our app. You can watch those messages online with the app, or you can go to our website or our YouTube channel or podcast. I think that's everything. But you can check it out in lots of different ways. But I want you to catch up on what we talked about last week because it's important to get some of that base information. But in verse 1, it says, Jesus was led up by the Spirit. So who was leading Jesus in this moment? It was the Spirit. It's important for us to recognize this. In our relationship with Jesus, there needs to be a leader and a follower. Which one are we? Follower. We are followers first before we're leaders. 
I hear this talked a lot, and I, I think it's important talking about leadership, and we're leaders, we need to call to be leaders, and be better leaders, and I'm great with that, as long as we're good followers. If we're not following anybody, then we're not going to be good leaders. I don't want to follow a leader that's not following Jesus. I don't care if they're the best quote-unquote leader in the world. If they're not following Jesus, I'm not hooking my wagon to them. So the same way for us, we need to be good followers, and then, and only then, can we lead people in the right direction. We're not trying to get people to follow the roads, church. We want you to follow Jesus. So that's why our vision statement is connecting people with Jesus from all roads of life, because we don't want you to just join the church and like us, we want to point you to him. We want to point you to him where you become a follower of him so then you can lead other people. So he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Where was he led into? Into the wilderness. Mm. It wasn't into a happy time. It wasn't into carnival. It was into a difficult season, a difficult place. The word wilderness there means desolate, isolated, lonely place, solitary. Are we willing for Jesus to lead us into difficult seasons? That's a rhetorical question, but you can answer that for yourself. Are we willing to let Jesus lead us into places that are going to hurt a little bit? Are we, going to let, are we willing to let Jesus lead us into places that are uncomfortable? Or do we only want to go into places where we're comfortable? We've got to understand that when we allow the Spirit to lead us, He will lead us into places we don't like. It's going to happen. If you didn't know that yet, if nobody taught that to you as a Christian, here's your news. Jesus will lead you into places you don't like. It's not to hurt you. It's not to do you damage. It is for our good. Now, what does that mean? What all falls under that umbrella? We're not going to cover all the disclaimers of, well, does this count? Does Jesus lead me into that? Did Jesus cause that? A lot of things we could go into there. But just know that there's some times in our life the Spirit's going to lead us into places that are challenging. Why did he lead him into the wilderness? To be tempted by the devil. What does the word tempted there mean? It means two parts to that word tempted. One means to trap in order to try and make a mistake. This is the agenda of Satan. Satan's idea and a temptation is to put you and I in a tough spot so that we will fail. So the end result of the satanic agenda and a temptation is failure. You and I falling flat on our face, blowing it, miserable, hurting ourselves, hurting people around us, awful. That's what he wants. He wants us to walk away from God. Jesus also, the Spirit will also lead into that same encounter with the enemy. But his agenda is completely different. His agenda is to reveal strength in us that we didn't know was there. Same encounter, interacting with a, an attack of the enemy, an interaction with the enemy, whatever it may be. Satan has an agenda on that interaction, and God has an, an agenda on that interaction. We need to know which one we need to pay attention to. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 in the Passion Translation says this, Afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser, by going through the ordeal of testing. Why did the Spirit lead Jesus into the lonely wilderness? To reveal his strength against the accuser. He was wanting to reveal strength to Jesus. 
He was wanting to reveal strength against the accuser. So he brought him face to face with the accuser. Why would he do that? To reveal strength against the accuser. If the Spirit would do that with Jesus, would he ever do it with us too? If he wants us to be Christians, what does Christian mean? Christ-like. If he would do it for Jesus to help him grow and develop into who he's supposed to be, why would he not do it to us? So we got to be prepared for those things. And I think that's what God's wanting us to talk about today, is help the body of Christ be prepared for difficult seasons. You and I were made for challenges. We were not made for easy street. We were not made for no problems. We were made for challenges. Our Christian faith grows stronger through adversity. Amen. I was hoping I'd just hear some nice, encouraging word. Tell me I'm great. Tell me everything's going to be wonderful. It is. In Jesus. You're going to have some great times. You're going to have some great things in 2023. But you're going to have some adversity. And the problem is we don't prepare people enough for the adversity. So when, not if, when the adversity comes, we fall apart and we abandon the church and throw away our faith and start deconstructing everything. Why? Because we weren't prepared. We didn't know we're supposed to go into the wilderness and face the enemy head to head through Jesus and overcome. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Well, there's means we got something we got to conquer. We want to be labeled a conqueror, with a conqueror without conquering anything. I just want to be called stamp and overcomer, but I really never had to come over. So let's look at verse 2. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Is that right? Anybody ever fasted 40 days and 40 nights? What does the word fast mean? I'm going to give you the biblical uh, definition. The word fast is a Greek word that means to abstain from food for religious purposes. That's what fasting really is. Biblically, it's abstaining from food. Now, the length of time, it doesn't have to be 40 days to qualify as a fast. You could fast a meal. You know that's why we call it the first meal of the day breakfast break fast because you've been asleep all night and you're breaking the fast. Maybe that's revelation for some people. (laughs) But anyway, so a fast is just a certain amount of time without food. And the Bible teaches about fasting for a multitude of reasons, but I'm only going to touch on a couple. Fasting is a way of saying no to our flesh and yes to God. It's setting aside time. So Jesus was doing it. He's led by the Spirit into this wilderness, and he does without food for 40 days and 40 nights. Why 40? 40 signifies in the Bible a passing of a test or enduring of a time of trial. 40 was significant in the Bible. Uh, It rained 40 days with Noah. Uh, Jonah warned Nineveh for 40 days. You can see a pattern of 40 days throughout Scripture, and the intent is, the, the message is, it's passing of a test or enduring a trial. Okay, so this is what Jesus had to go through. Moses and Elijah, you might say, well, that's Jesus fasting. (laughs) I mean, that's the Son of God. Well, two other dudes, human beings, fasted 40 days. One was Moses, 40 days and 40 nights in Exodus chapter 34 when he got the uh, Ten Commandments. 
He was spending time with the Lord and he didn't eat any bread and didn't drink any water for 40 days and 40 nights. Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19 was laying there asleep. Then he looked and there beside his head when he woke up, the angel woke him up and said, hey, arise and eat. Here's a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. So here, this is not just a regular cake, but he's asleep and the angel wakes him up. The angel had made him a cake and a jar of water. So this is where we get in the Bible the first mention of angel food cake. <laughs> right. This is what, that's right. It's, still works. Just keep using it over and over. <laughs> oh, we're not going to talk about devil's food cake right now. Let's stay focused on angel food cake. But look what he said in verse 7. The angel came back a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. Can I tell you, friends, the journey of life is too great for us. We need a strength that's bigger than us. We need to be able to tap into something that's bigger than what we have in our own selves. And that's what was in this when he ate, when he spent time with God, when he was there with the angel. All of a sudden, he, re- he ate this meal, and he regave, gave, uh, regained a strength. Look at verse 8. So he rose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food 40 days, 40 nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. This meal from God caused him to go 40 days and nights with no food. That's a pretty good meal. How was Jesus able to sustain himself for 40 days without any food? How was Moses? How was Elijah? How were they functioning? What was their strength? Here's the question I'm going to ask. In the absence of natural physical nourishment, is there a strength available that's bigger than our natural strength? Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days without any food, so what was he doing for 40 days? I kind of asked about that this week. I'm like, Lord, what? it does, doesn't really say. It kind of just throws it in there. He fasted 40 days in the wilderness, and then he was hungry. Like, what was he doing? Who led him into the wilderness? It was the, the Spirit, right? Holy Spirit. So what was he doing for 40 days? Who was he with? He was with Holy Spirit. He was spending time with the Father through the Holy Spirit for 40 days and 40 nights. Why is that important? Because when we're talking about prayer and fasting, don't let the focus be on what you're not doing. The Bible says there that 40 days, 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. I might have been a little hungry before or during, but Jesus said he was hungry afterward. So what is that? Why does he mention that? Because the emphasis is not on the hunger, the emphasis of the fellowship with the Father through Holy Spirit for 40 days and 40 nights. So when you're praying and fasting, don't just focus on, okay, I'm going to give up this meal. I'm going to not eat this day. I'm going to go through this. I'm going to go through that. I, don't focus on that. Are you increasing your time with Jesus? Are you praying more? Are you reading more? Why? Because your strength doesn't come from the lack of food. Your strength comes from the presence of God. So that when, I, when I'm feeling weak, where does my strength come from? God's wanting to reveal a strength that's available to us that's bigger than our natural strength. And only when we come to the end of our natural strength will we experience it. Look what he says there. After he was hungry, in the Passion Translation, it says it this way. And after fasting for 40 days, Jesus was extremely weak and famished. 
Extremely weak and famished. This is the Son of God. Wouldn't you probably be weak and famished after 40 days with no food? Maybe after three. Maybe after one. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Either way, the condition, it's all relative. Don't get caught up in comparing who's fasted this long or that long. It doesn't matter. Notice what happened. At the end of his fast, whether it's 40 days, whether it's one meal, whether it's one day, whether it's five days, it doesn't matter. At the end of his fast, whenever it was, at the end of your fast, whenever it was, maybe from nighttime to morning, he was weak and famished. And then look at verse 3. Now, everybody say now. Now, now when the tempter came to him. When did the tempter come? When he was what? He was weak and famished. Notice the tempter didn't come when he was strong on day one. Forty days, first day with no food, he didn't show up then. He didn't come day two, didn't come day three. When did he come? He came at the very end when Jesus was completely weak in his flesh and famished. That's when the tempter will show up in our lives. Not at our strongest moment. We want him to show up when we feel like we can conquer the world. He likes to show up when you've not had any sleep for two days. He likes to show up when you've gone through a major crisis and you don't know what to do and you are at your wit's end. He likes to come to you when you've been sick and not feeling well and you're exhausted and going through all these things and worry and anxiety, job loss, marital problems, kids doing this. That's when he likes to show up. He doesn't like to show up right now. He doesn't want to bother you now. He wants you to get through this so he can show up later. He likes to show up in our weak moments. We need to be prepared to confront the enemy when we are in a weak and famished state. And this is what I think God's wanting to speak to our hearts today. Christians, followers of Jesus, I don't know what category you're in today, when you're watching online, we are going to face moments when we're weak and famished, and how do we respond is the key. Let's take a look at it. Hebrews chapter 4 says this, for we do not have a high priest talking about Jesus who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus didn't allow weakness, being hungry, being famished, to be an excuse to sin. Jesus didn't say, well, I wouldn't have sinned, but I was tired. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, he was tempted in all points as we are. He can sympathize with our weaknesses, but he still did not sin. So now who do we need to turn to in that scenario then when we're feeling weak? Who do we need to turn to for strength? We need to turn to the one who can sympathize with us. We need to turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, I can't do it. I can't hold out any longer. I'm about to blow my lid. I know I'm not supposed to look at that, but right now my phone is screaming to me. I'm going to cuss them out as soon as I see them. Jesus, help me. It's not in our great moments where we feel like we're the best Christian in the world. It's in the moments where we feel like I'm going to fall apart. That's when the tempter likes to show up and push you right off the edge. He likes to poke that one last nerve. 
You know why he likes to post that, poke that one last nerve? Because we tell him that they are on my last nerve. He says, oh, that's how close we are? Okay, so I just need to give you one more thing and then you're going to lose it? No problem. But this is where we are. So here's a question. Is there a strength available to us that goes beyond our natural strength? We, as human beings, we tend to like to avoid weakness. We like to avoid showing weakness. Dudes really like to avoid weakness. Like it's not manly to show weakness. So we don't like to, re- to be vulnerable. We don't like to tell people we're struggling. We don't like to tell people we're going through a difficult time. Because, and I'll just speak for men. Ladies, you can role play it out however it works for you. I don't want to speak for you. Men like to put on a front that they've got it all together all the time. And they don't want to show any weakness because they don't want to look bad. While on the inside, we all are dealing with weaknesses. And the problem is the other dude dealing with weaknesses that's looking me, putting on a front like I have no weaknesses, he feels like no one relates to him. He feels like no one will understand him. He feels like no one would hear him because something's wrong with him. You know what's wrong with him is he's dealing with something just like I'm dealing with something and we need to turn and look to the right answer and that's Jesus. So if we don't reveal that in our own life, other people won't be able to grasp what's going on. So instead of avoiding weaknesses, what if we need to be embracing weaknesses? What do you mean by that? During fasting, Jesus fasted for 40 days. Afterwards, he was weak and famished. What if God is desiring us to recognize and embrace the weaknesses of our flesh instead of protecting it or catering to it? How many times, let's say take fasting, for example, because that's what we're talking about, what we're in right now. If you're going to fast for any amount of time, you're going to come to a place where you feel weak. What we do many times when we feel weakness in our flesh is that we run in to save it, to pacify it, and to resurrect it instead of letting it die. If we want our flesh to come under subjection to Jesus and his will, we have to be willing to let it scream a little bit. What if Jesus' goal for your and my life is to grow in weakness to our flesh and we keep trying to save it? What if God wants us to be more weak and we're always trying to be less weak? questions. What if in order to break a habit to our flesh, we're going to have to say no to something and our flesh is going to crave it and yell out and every time it starts craving, we give in and say, okay, will we ever break that habit? No. So what God is wanting us to tap into is a strength that's bigger than our flesh. So when I'm feeling weak, so let's say fasting again. Sometimes people fasted, and I know I've experienced this in my own life, and they say, hey, man, I, I just started to feel weak. And so evidently our body will tell us something is wrong. So when, we, when it tells us something's wrong, then we need to fix it. And I understand normal life and the physical body, how it works and under normal circumstances, but I'm just talking about God-ordained led fasting, which is biblical. There's still going to be a time where your body says, I'm weak, something's wrong. 
Instead, we need to be thinking spiritually, what if when my flesh says I'm weak, I think something's actually going right? Like something's working. Oh, you're getting weak? Okay, it's working. Because my goal is weakness of the flesh, not the strength of the flesh. Dropping some nuggets here. Our weakness in our flesh is supposed to be natural to God, but it's unnatural to mankind. Weakness in our flesh is supposed to be natural to God. We're supposed to have an attitude with God like we can't do it. We're supposed to constantly be in a, in a posture of, this is way too big for me, I can't do it. Jesus! But what do we do? We like to strengthen the flesh. We like to take care of it ourselves. We like to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We like to figure it out. We like to be able to pay for it. We like to be able to take care of all of our needs. I just want to be in a position where I can handle everything. Good luck with that. Jesus never intended for you to ever sit in that seat. You know the seat that he intended us to sit in? Jesus, I can't do anything without you. John chapter 15, apart from the vine, detached from the vine, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. This is what the, str- the strength that God's wanting us to tap into. Let me give you Mark chapter 14, verse 38. It says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is... So the spirit is willing. That means the spirit, of, spirit on the inside. Okay, so maybe you... Make sure you understand what I'm talking about. You are a triune being sitting here watching online. You are a spirit being that is eternal. Just had a funeral for my grandma, 96 years old, lived a great life. Her spirit is who she was, and that spirit is eternal, will never pass away. She lived in a body, an earthly tent, the Bible calls it in 2 Corinthians. That tent passed away. She had a soul, a mind, will, and emotions. That also will go with her spirit. So now we have this joining going on in our triune being right now as we're sitting here. And this is what God is speaking to us, is that the spirit part of us, the God-breathed part of us, is willing. It's predisposed towards God. It wants to serve God. It wants to give God our yes. It wants to yield to him. Our spirit is willing. It's sitting on go. It's ready to go. If God whispers something to you into your heart, your spirit says yes. But then your soul, your mind, will, and emotions in your flesh go, hang on just a second. Let's talk about this. Your soul has to be renewed So your soul sometimes, now, okay, I hear you saying that, God, but let me just tell you how it's like here, Lord. So our spirit is willing, but our flesh is what? Our flesh is, if he says our flesh is weak, is Jesus saying that there's a problem with the flesh that it's weak? Is he telling us, hey, your spirit spirit is willing, your flesh is weak, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to start working out three sets of ten on your flesh. He's not telling you your flesh is weak, so start developing it. He's just clarifying to us the state of our flesh. It just is weak. He's not telling us to fix it. He's just drawing our attention to it. 
Why is he doing that? Because the word weak there means limited, capacity, feeble, wanting in strength, courage, or will. So Jesus is telling us, he's saying, listen, your spirit is willing to do whatever God says, but your flesh, it's limited in capacity, it's incapable. It doesn't even have the courage or will to do it. So he's telling you and I which one to depend on. Don't depend on your flesh. It will only take you so far. But depend on your spirit because there are no limits with God. Does that make any sense? When he says your flesh is weak, he's just saying, hey, 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 little tip for you. Heads up, your flesh, it's limited. Don't trust it. So when your flesh cries out and says, I want revenge, Jesus said, don't lean on that. I'm going to make them pay. That's your flesh. Don't lean on it. Do we need to find something that relates to you? I'm trusting right now. Holy Spirit, give them an example. Something that says, wait a minute. I want to do this. But God says, don't let your flesh be your guide. Let your spirit be your guide. Too many times we're trying to run away from the weakness that God's actually leading us into. He's leading us into a place of dependency on him, and we're resisting it all the way because we wanted to be, de- be dependent on us. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Are you with me so far? You excited about this weak message? <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is Paul. Writing about his interaction with a vision in paradise, and he goes on and talks about the thorn in the flesh. This is one of the one of the I think one of the uh, a very often misinterpreted scripture, in my opinion. I'll throw that out. And I think it messes with people's theology because it's taught a certain way that I don't think is biblically accurate. Notice in in this, he was talking about a messenger of Satan was buffeting him. This wasn't a messenger of God. It was a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. So there's an interaction with Satan. How did the interaction with Jesus and Satan go? God actually led Jesus into an interaction with Satan, but Satan was the one who had an agenda that did not match God's agenda. Stay with me for a moment. Just because you get led into a situation by God doesn't mean God has the same agenda that the enemy has in that same scenario. Well, we need to get that. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might be taken, might depart from me. Maybe you've heard this, that Paul asked God to take the thorn of the flesh away from him three times, and God said no. But if we read your Bible, we don't see that at all. In verse 9, God doesn't say no anywhere in that scripture about taking the thorn away from him. He just responds with this, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength, Jesus is speaking, it's in the rib, my strength is made perfect or complete or comes to the fullness in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. That word infirmities there is the same Greek word as weak. And my spirit is willing and my flesh is weak. It means incapacity, weakness, limitation. So he says, I will rather boast in my 
fleshly limitations that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in my limited capacity, in reproaches, and needs, and persecutions, distresses, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am, when I am what? When I am, then I am, what? When I am weak, then I, I am That seems like an oxymoron. When I am weak, I am strong. How can I be weak and strong at the same time? Because I am spirit, soul, and body. That when our flesh is weak, in our state, when we finally come to the state where we say, Jesus, I surrender, I can't do it, I need you, then Jesus goes, yes, my turn. In our weakness, his strength becomes perfect. But as long as I'm depending on me, I don't need his strength. His strength can't be perfect in my strength because I'm not looking to him. I'm not asking him. I'm not praying. I'm not seeking him through the word. I'm just doing what I want to do when I want to do it. I'm leading the way. So my strength is made perfect in my strength. But guess what? Our strength is limited. So Paul says, I'm going to boast about my weakness. Instead of hiding from it, instead of apologizing about it, I'm going to be boasting and bragging about, yeah, I can't do that either, but Jesus. Because all of a sudden now the power of Christ rests upon me. So I know there's many of us that's going through things that are bigger than us. We're, we're facing in weak issues all around us, whether it be global, whether it be the country, whether it be your home, school. I don't know what it is. We've got things that are coming against us, and it's making us feel weak. When our flesh feels weak, instead of feeling like something's wrong, we need to go, yes, that's what I needed to get to. I needed to get to the end of myself so that I could find him. Sometimes it's only at the end of ourselves in desperate situations when people finally turn to God. Right? You've seen that? When people are like, I, I just can't go on. I'm desperate. My life is over. My marriage is over. My job's over. I can't do it anymore. And all of a sudden, they turn to Jesus. Did he want them to turn to him before that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We don't have to wait till we're in a desperate situation to acknowledge our weakness. We can acknowledge it every single day. we got to acknowledge our flesh is weak. I cannot trust my flesh. It's weak. It's limited. So if my flesh says do that, i got to go, let me check with my spirit and I'll get back to you. We need to have the filter of when your flesh says go for it. Do it. Everybody else is doing it. It'll make you feel good. In that moment, say, hold on there, Mr. Fast Pants. I'm going to, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Let me pray and ask God because my spirit is willing and you're weak. Everybody ever know that your flesh and your feelings are flaky? They'll be awesome one day and they'll betray you the next. 
You feel like you could conquer the devil with a plastic fork one moment and the next afternoon wonder if you're even going to heaven. What is that? Our flesh is weak. So here's what I want to do. If you just bow your heads with me this morning. I feel like the Lord's wanting to encourage us all that it's not by our might and not by our power, but by the Spirit of God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know what you're dealing with today, but Jesus does. They're in all of our locations, Erod's family. Will you be honest before God? Have you been depending on your flesh? Have you been been depending on your own resources, your own will to get things done, and you're not even asking God? You're just Mr. Mrs. Independent, and you think that's a good thing? You think self-sufficiency, you've been lied to, and you've been told that self-sufficiency is a good place. I just want to come to a place where I've got a certain amount of money that I can take care of all my needs. I can, I can buy what I need to buy, and I want to take care of myself. I don't want to be able to ask anybody for anything. I just want to be self-sufficient. That is a lie from the devil. Jesus is the only thing that's supposed to be our supply. He's the only thing that will meet all of our needs. He's the only thing that will meet all the missing parts of our life. He's the only one that can fill them. So if you're listening today and maybe you don't know Jesus, maybe you're not serving him, maybe you've walked away from him, maybe you've been listening to the flesh and not the spirit, Maybe you recognize right now that you are weak and you just can't do it without God. You're in a situation, you're in a scenario that is overwhelming you and you're ready to throw up the white flag. Maybe it's because you're finally tired of running from Jesus and you want to give your life to him and become a believer. You want to be a follower of Jesus. You recognize your sin has separated you from God, and Jesus is the only way that can make things right, and you want to get that right today. Maybe it's something else that you're weak, a habit, an addiction that's overtaking you, and you just can't break it. I believe God's wanting to reveal a strength to us. As we're going through this prayer and fasting, we're tapping into a redirect of a source of strength that's bigger than our flesh, and that's Jesus. We're going to point you to him because he's the way, the truth, and the life. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.